though you're in the Philippians. We're looking at chapter number three. We're looking at verses 10 through 11. Uh, just to set the stage uh, as we're moving through the letter of the Philippians, uh, now he's uh, encouraging us. He's encouraging us to be what uh, we need to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's, um, he's encouraging us to uh, mature in our faith, if you will. And see, these two verses here, uh, we see that he, uh, he reminds us, if you will, of what our ultimate goal is. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, what is our ultimate goal? And it's three words. To know Him. To know Him. With that line of thought, I came across uh, uh, this uh, uh, J. Uh, Dwight Pentecost. Uh, he uh, came up with this, uh, talking about maturity and all. He says, uh, God will feed. He'll feed us according to our appetite and desire. Pretty good, isn't it? He will feed us according to our appetite and our desire. Apart from our desire, there is no feeding. And apart from no feeding, there's no growth. And apart from no growth, there's no maturity. But uh, Hebner, uh, Dr. Hebner uh, said it this way. He said that, too many Christians are living subnormal lives that when they see, quote, someone who's a normal Christian or someone who's just doing what they ought to be doing in the Lord Jesus Christ, they look at them as abnormal. Well, that's a sad indictment, isn't it? That, that, that if you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing... Many Christians are living such subnormal lives for the Lord Jesus that they think we're the weird ducks. We're radical. We're extremist. But then we also see that as we're looking at this, and we also I came across this uh, another quote which I thought was good that spiritual giants, spiritual giants are not born, they're made. So this leads us into our ultimate goal, which is to know Him. And if you're in verse number 10, we're in chapter number 3. Listen to what Paul says. He says, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Then look at verse number 11. If by any means I might attain unto the, uh, attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And so we're going to see four things here. That Paul points out. First of all, you look at the first part of verse number 1. He says, in verse number 10, he says, to know Him. Now that word know is a very interesting word. When you go to the Old Testament, you will see that uh, that word was used in a uh, marriage relationship. The Bible said that of, uh, a man and a woman, when they were uh, in, in a marital relationship, it would say that he knew his wife. 
which means that there was a very intimate relationship going on. When you move into the New Testament, we see that same word, no, uh, is used pertaining to, and you find this in Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 25, you'll see that it says, and Joseph knew not Mary until after the birth. And so here we're seeing a picture that uh, Paul is reminding us that here's our ultimate goal. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what we're trying to attain. This is where we're heading. This is where we're walking towards. This is what we want to wind up uh, being uh, if we're going to be all that we can be for the Lord Jesus Christ. First and foremost, we must know Him in a very intimate way. But then he goes on and talks about uh, not only knowing him, uh, but he also reminds us uh, that we are, uh, uh, need to understand the power that's contained within this. Uh, when we see that, where he talks about the power, we see that the principles of Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20 kicks in. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but if you care to go back to that, and you can follow and make sure that I'm telling you right here. But the principles involved here, we're talking about knowing Him in a personal way. And when you get to know Him in a personal way, then you realize the power that He wants to instill in you. And in Galatians 2.20, it talks about this, and it says that, we have been crucified, right? We've been crucified and uh, it's not I, but it's Christ in me. But then he goes on and talks about uh, that uh, we at one time were operating in the flesh, but now we're operating in the Spirit. See, that's what happens when you know the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes into you, if you will, that we understand that things start to change. First of all, the ability that we have changes. Because when we're, we're operating in the flesh then our ability had to come from the flesh, right? And we understand that ability of the flesh can only take you so far. Matter of fact, that's what Paul talks about quite a bit. Even in the letter to uh, Colossians, uh, he talks about it in Philippians. He talks about it in some of his other writings. That was the problem that he was uh, trying to fight. That was some of the problems that he was encouraging them because they were trying to bring the law back into grace. And Paul reminds them when you go into Galatians especially and also into Colossians where he says, why would you go back? into bondage because if you're operating under the law you had to operate under the flesh and the flesh can only take you so far but then he says when you're operating in the spirit then you'll go as far as the power that's in you and the power that's within us will take us into eternity and we understand that we're able to do the things that we need to be doing for the Lord Jesus Christ because we're no longer operating in the flesh, but we're operating in the power and of the might of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he carries this, uh, this thought, if you will, a, a little bit further. As we uh, come and we see that uh, not only does he talks in Galatians 2.20, he talks about 
the ability, if you will. But then we see Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 through, uh, 18 through 20. And I want to just kind of camp out at verse number 19. Here again, paraphrasing, take the time to look at that. Uh, but we see that he talks about uh, the greatness, the greatness of his power that's been extended towards us. Now, but catch this. So he's talking about the greatness of the power. And this greatness of power that he's, he, he's wanting us to have it. He's trying to extend it to us. But then he goes on and he says, For those who believe according to the working of his power. So in other words, here's what Paul's trying to say. Paul's saying that if we are wanting to get that ultimate goal, which is that we're wanting to be all that we can be in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to mature in my faith. I want to be more Christ-like in my activity. I want to be more like Him because I've fallen in love with Him. I have an intimate relationship with Him. And so that now what Christ is wanting to do for me is that He wants to give me power to be able to do what He's called me to do. No longer do I have to rely on the flesh. No longer do I have to rely on my abilities. No longer do I have to rely on what I can do. But I can rest in the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has empowered me and He gives me everything I need to be able to accomplish everything He's called me to do. Okay. And and so but then uh, notice here. He says, then that's what he wants to do. But notice he says, for those who believe, catch this, according to the working of his power. I started to kind of run that through my mind and, and, and I came up with this. And uh, I, I, it just kind of enlightened me, if you will. Because if you go a little further in these verses, he talks about that our eyes have been enlightened into his understanding. See, when we catch it, when we finally get it, see, that's the problem with some of us is that we really haven't gotten it. Now, we're not, well, I'm not questioning salvation. We're saved. We know we're saved. Securing our salvation. What I'm telling you is that, that we're going through and, and we don't understand why we can't do some of the things that we really want to do. It's because we have not been enlightened or we have missed it or we've been blinded, whatever the case may be. But then, I, I don't know about you, but uh, some scriptures, and I, I go through those scriptures, and sometimes we just go through them just for the sake of going through and We can quote scriptures and all of that. But then there's that time, and, and some of you have experienced this. Then there's that time when you start to read the word and it's like, whoa, I got it. Amen. Isn't that good when you come to that and, and, and you say, okay, I understand now, Lord. And here's what I get out of Ephesians 1, going through verses 18, especially camping out in verse number 19, is that those who believe according to the working of His power. What, what am I trying to say is that, okay, I, I got it. I understand it. I, I got the knowledge. But now I put that knowledge into action. And as I'm going in, and as I'm walking and as I'm st- going through life and I'm speaking life and I'm, I'm speaking truth to those who live in a dark world, when I'm going through that, the more I'm doing that, the more power it seems that he gives me. Amen. That's what he's talking about here. 
See, if we really want to be spiritual giants, we're going to have to put what we have up here, bring it down here, and when we get it down here, it act itself out as we go into this dark and cold world, a lost world, when they look and they say there's something different about that person. And they see the Lord Jesus Christ this week, especially tomorrow. We have, we've had boys and girls, I know, I know because I've talked to them, they have never been in a church that really preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, they've been in some of those, you know, where they do the weird stuff and all that and they jump in and all that, but really preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they never experienced that. And so here's what they're doing. They're checking this out. They're checking us out. And they're watching us. And they ought to be able to see a difference in our lives. And they ought to see that the power of God is in us, but He's not only in us, but He's working through us. And there's and our countenance and the way we conduct ourselves, they're taking notice. I'm telling you, they'll take notice. But here's the problem that we have, that we understand that if we're going to get to know more about Him, we're going to have to understand about His passion of His life and the passion of His life and Paul says uh, and pertains to the sufferings the sufferings of Christ what does that mean well first of all we see in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse number 12 this is how it says it he says if you're going to live godly in Christ you will suffer persecution if you're living a godly life you will suffer persecution why Because there's this great conflict going on. Darkness and light. And those of us who've trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, and as we go into a dark world, there's going to be resistance. The darkness doesn't want the light. Because when the light shows up, darkness must flee. And when darkness flees, then they'll see what living is really all about. And so Satan does everything he can. And we understand, 2 Timothy tells us that if we're going to live godly, just go ahead and mark it down, no questions asked, you will suffer persecution. But then we also see, and it goes back to Genesis chapter 22, verse number 19, or 14, I'm sorry. Genesis 22, 14. Of course, the setting here, Abraham is going to sacrifice his son Isaac. And so as he's going to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now, I, I thought about this. I have one son. And, and uh, I, I, th- I thought about, what, what would I do if God told me to take Micah up to a mountain and sacrifice him? So I started wrestling with that. And then uh, I started thinking about my, my grandboys. What would, God, what would I do if God told me, He says, now Mike, you need to take uh, Ezekiel, you need to take Ezra or Elijah, and you need to take them and you need to sacrifice them. Could you imagine what would go around in your mind? Abraham, and the Bible doesn't record any of this, but I just, got, I just got to believe those thoughts went through his head. Amen. This is my only, this is Isaac, this is my boy. But God, you've been faithful and took him up there. And then the Bible says, 
And this is where Abraham maybe didn't fully understand, but this is where Abraham comes to understand Calvary like he never had before. Because just a stone's throw away, geographically speaking and theologically speaking, this was going to be the same spot that God was going to sacrifice His Son. I started thinking about that. Don't you think Abraham did some suffering as he's taking that boy up there? Then I go and I think, don't you think God the Father was suffering thinking, this is my only son, and I'm going to have to lead him to a cruel, harsh death. But that's the God we serve. A God that loved us so much, He was willing to give His only begotten Son. And that in whom you believe, and if you do believe, you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So I was thinking, but then I thought about Paul. You go back to Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter 9, verse number 16, remember, we've talked about this before. Uh, Paul is on his way to Damascus. He has an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not long after Paul was saved, this is what the Lord's speaking to him. He says, I'm going to show you many things that you're going to have to suffer for my name. What are we trying to say here? If we really want to reach our ultimate goal of knowing Him in an intimate way, we're going to have to understand we're going to have to go through some sufferings. Nobody likes to talk about that. Nobody likes to preach that. All the others that are out there where the crowds are going to, they're saying, hey, everything's going to be good. You're going to be okay. Hey, let's just go around the campfire and sing Kumbaya. But that's not the way the Bible says. The Bible says that if we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will suffer persecution. I started thinking about this, and I've been, uh, I, I've been drawn a little bit more to the persecuted church. And you do understand that uh, Christians all around the world are being persecuted because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, have you noticed that uh, mainline media doesn't say anything much about it, if anything about it? Sudan. When's the last time you heard a newscast saying, hey, just letting you know there's uh, Christians being slaughtered in Sudan. I don't hear much about it. (laughs) Indonesia, Nigeria, all around the world, they're losing their very lives because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, here's what happened. And and this is not in my notes. This uh, this just hit me today. Here we are. In our wonderful buildings, nothing wrong with, our padded pews, our air condition, all the luxuries that we have, and we still gripe and complain. Is that not a shame? Because there's believers who will walk. I remember going to Rio de Janeiro 
And up on the hillside, there were, uh, there were drug uh, wars. And uh, uh, they, were, they would come in, and we had a number of people. Uh, we would have the service, and uh, they would start coming in. And uh, some of them had to walk two hours one way to get to the service. We had a two-hour service. They had to walk two more hours back home. And when it gets nightfall... You don't want to be in some of those places. But yet, but yet, they would come every night. And here we are, can jump in our automobiles. At the most, we can take maybe 10, 15 minutes, even if it's 30 minutes, and we still say, you know, it's just getting too far to come. What is wrong with us? What's wrong with us is that we have lost sight of what our ultimate goal is. We really don't want to know Him. Because if we're really going to get to know Him, that means it's going to cost me something. And that's exactly where we're at in the modern church today. No one wants to be inconvenienced. We don't want to count the cost. I praise God that we have those in our body here that are taking weeks of vacation. They're scheduling their work schedules around that just to be able to work with some children that many children have not even heard of a gospel presentation, much less the Lord Jesus Christ. And if they've heard the Lord Jesus Christ's name, they've heard it in a curse word. We've lost sight of where we're supposed to be. We've lost sight of our goal. Paul is reminding the church at Philippi, but he's reminding us tonight as well, is that we have lost sight of why we're doing what we're doing and why we're not doing it is because we have gotten too stinking, lazy, lackadaisical, apathy because we have everything, but we've lost everything. And here's people meeting in mud huts, dirt floors that love the Lord Jesus Christ because here's the, here's the, because that's all they have. Could it be that we've gotten so prosperous that we no longer depended upon the Lord Jesus Christ? And maybe it, ta- it will take us coming to a point in our lives, in the life of our church, where the Lord says, you know what? I'm going to take some stuff from you, and then I'm really going to see what you're made of. And so here, Paul says that there's going to be some suffering. But I want you to look at verse number 11. In verse number 11, he talks about the potential. Now, in verses 10 and 11, we see the word resurrection is used. In verse number 11, the the word resurrection simply means out. It means also place or to stand up. So in verse number 10, the word resurrection means different than what's in verse number 11. In verse number 11, here's what is, and I'm going to try to paint the picture. Uh, The picture is that if you're alive, then you're standing up. If you're dead, you're laying down. Okay? I mean, you think, wow, wow, Mike. I I got up uh, and I worked all week to come uh, to a service on Wednesday for you to get me real deep in the theology like that. But that's just, that's what the word means. Now watch this though. In verse 10 talks about the, it's talking about the resurrection of our Lord, right? Where he got up and left the grave. We're looking spiritual here. 
The Bible says that if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then you are dead, right? You're spiritually dead. So here's what we have to have the mindset. Those of us who've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been crucified, we have died to, uh, to self, but we've been raised in newness of life. So here's what we ought to be doing. As we're standing up and as we're walking to a world that's spiritually dead, we, they ought to see a difference in our life. They ought to see the power of God working through our lives in such a way that they will stand up, spiritually speaking. And here's the problem. The problem is we got too many dead churches trying to reach dead people spiritually. The church is a place where it ought to be alive. And I'm telling you, I know, and, I, and it's tomorrow's Thursday, and I'm getting weary. And by Friday, I'm going to have to take a few more, uh, whatever I need to take. And, and, uh, uh, and we're going to be dragging, okay? Listen, we're going to be dragging. It's going to, we're going to be tired. But I'm telling you, we got to come in and not just to be, a, you know, to put on a show. That's not what we're doing. But the kids ought to see that we're excited about being here. And we don't hear things like, I can't wait to Friday. Oh, man, these kids are about to kill me. Those kids don't need to hear stuff like that because many of them are spiritually dead and they need some life in their life. And here we are who have life in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we act like we're dead. That's the problem. The church is a place where it ought to be alive because there's dead people walking in here every Sunday looking for life and they can't find it because we were not willing to pay the cost of reaching our ultimate goal. Now you can say all you want to. The Lord's already gotten... Hold to me on this one. It's time that we start looking at others. And if it means that I got to be a little inconvenient, I ought to praise God that I'm able to be inconvenienced. That might mean that I might have to give my parking spot up, which I park right there by the door, to someone who's spiritually dead who needs to come and see what life is really all about. I don't, I don't need to have a child hear me in the hallway talking to somebody else and saying, these naughty old kids, I'll tell you what, I'm about ready to strangle about half of them. I'm telling you, you may think that, but keep it to yourself. That child doesn't need to hear that. By the way, they hear it enough. They hear enough in the world. That's what the world is telling them. That's the reason why abortion and we're aborting babies by the millions. Why? Because we're doing a fool with them. This kids can be an inconvenience to me. That's the reason why divorce is the same rate in the church as it is outside in the lost world is because we came to a place that if I stick this thing out, it's going to be a little inconvenient for me. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ suffered. He paid the cost so that you could go free and then we wine or little petty little things and some things that really don't amount to much and when it boils down to it this thing is all about me anyway and a lost and dying world is living in a world like that and when they come to a church they ought to see something different about us 
They ought to see we have life in the Lord Jesus Christ. They ought to see that we have problems just like they do. But joy, we have joy unspeakable and we have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And we can say all we want to, but until we start acting like that, the lost world's not going to take notice. So, what's our ultimate goal? Our ultimate goal is we need to be more Christ-like. That's the bottom line. What does it mean to be Christ-like? Putting others first. That's it. Putting others first, no matter the cost. Church, if you haven't noticed yet, then I don't know where you've been. But we are living in a town that's dying and going to hell. Amen. I don't give a rip if we got a church on every corner. We're still are living in the community that's lost and on its way to hell. We're living in a community where it is an epidemic of addiction. I'm telling you. Prescription medication, alcoholism, you just go down the list. I'm telling you, we're in trouble. We're in trouble, folks. And we're looking to the government to go ahead and solve all our cure. You know, here's, what, here's, what, here's how we're fixing things. Pass another law. Well, we're just passing another law. Hey, you can pass all the laws you want to. But it's not going to change a person's heart. Only the Lord Jesus Christ can do that. Here's the problem. We don't need no more entitlement programs. We don't need no more social things. We don't need no more things for the city to do for us. They don't need to build us another park to make our environment a little more healthier and friendly and all that. We don't need all that. What we need is more of Jesus Christ living in us so that we can live it out and so that we can show the world that Jesus Christ truly does make a difference in someone's life. And we can go and tell them, I want you to know I'm I'm not here to condemn you because the Bible says you're condemned already. Here's what I've come to tell you. There's life in the Lord Jesus Christ. He can rescue you. He can get you off the drugs. He can get you off the pills. He can restore your families. He can go ahead and he can do wonderful, marvelous things. But the lost and dying world will not know that until they see it out of us. But we're too busy. And I really don't have time to fool with them people. That's the mentality. God help us. And if we're not trying to make a difference, the best thing for us is to keep our mouths closed because we have the answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ.